First part, a statement to the effect that all revelations which Elahi Baksh published in opposition to me about himself or myself, every single one of them turned out to be false. This is of course known to everyone that Babu Elahi Baksh had named himself Musa, Moses, and declared me to be Pharaoh, and had entitled his book, Asai Musa, the Staff of Moses, in opposition to me. In other words, he had imagined that he would personally kill this pharaoh with this staff. Also, he had sent a letter addressed to me in which he had issued a threat and announced that, God has disclosed to me that this person is a liar and is destined to meet his end at the hands of this Musa. There were a number of other similar but unwritten prophecies which he had disclosed only to his friends and acquaintances. The summary of all of them is that I would be killed in his lifetime, he would prevail against me, I would be humiliated before him, and he would attain great eminence in the world. And like Prophet Musa, he would become the leader of hundreds of thousands of people. Footnote start. Based on a statement by my learned and respected friend Malvi Nuruddin, I have learned of a dream about Babu Ilahi Baksh seen by Malvi Abdul Wahid of the community of Ghazni, now Amritsar. Instead of citing it in my own words, I reproduce below the actual letter written by the Honorable Maulvi Nuruddin, which is as follows. Letter of Maulvi Nuruddin. Our Master and Imam, Allah's blessings, bounties, and peace be upon you. Abdul Wahid al-Aznawi had written a letter to me saying that the members of their community have seen in the dreams that Ilahi Baksh is standing on a lofty minaret and people are there down below. Therefore, he will prosper now. There were several other words which I do not recall because I read letters cursorily, and after reading I do not preserve them. Upon the death of Ilahi Baksh, I have written to Abdul Wahid a letter on the same subject, but have not received a reply to date. This, in sum, is what I recall with certainty concerning the matter. Testimony given in the name of Allah, the incomparably great Nuruddin. Footnote end. I tried very hard to gain access to his confidential revelations, but I regret to say that they remained restricted to his coterie of friends, and I could not lay my hands on any documentary evidence. However, the extent to which he published his revelations in his book should be sufficient for any fair-minded person. Although I have not been able to find some of his rather frivolous and most absurd revelations, which he used to record in a small notebook, the ones that have been found contain enough material to expose his falsehood. However, there is no hope of retrieving those revelations which were kept secret. In fact, it is certain that all such absurd revelations that were made against me under the fervor of the self must have been buried along with him. Among the revelations about me which Elahi Baish had written in Asai Musa, which he claims in the book to be from God Almighty, is the presumed revelation recorded on page 79 of his book, Asai Musa, and is as follows. Translation For you is peace, you shall prevail, and upon him, that is, upon this humble one, shall descend the wrath of God, and he will most certainly perish, meaning that, you shall remain alive and witness his death and destruction, therefore ponder and reflect. The meaning of this revelation as given by Ilahi Baksh himself spread extensively throughout his book with reference to his other revelations, is that wrath shall overtake me and I shall die during his own life, 
whereas in actual reality, he himself died during my life. Everyone knows that the plague has been stated to signify death by the wrath of God in all revealed scriptures. At the time of Hazrat Musa, peace be upon him, the children of Israel were stricken with plague because they had become the object of God's wrath. The Torah contains a detailed description of this. Then, after Hazrat Isa, the plague overtook the Jews, regarding whom there was a promise in the gospel that God's wrath would descend upon them. In the Holy Quran, this very plague has been designated chastisement from the heavens, as Allah the Exalted says in the Holy Quran. In Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 60 of the Holy Quran, meaning that, So we sent down upon the transgressors the plague as punishment, because they were disobedient. But nowhere has Allah the Exalted says, meaning that, we sent down the plague upon them because they were believers. Thus, a believer can never become deserving of being punished by the plague. On the contrary, it is specifically reserved for the disbeliever and the transgressor. This is why ever since the creation of this world, no prophet of God has ever died of the plague. True, such believers who are not totally cleansed of sin do sometimes contract the plague and die from it. This kind of death serves as an atonement for their sins, and it is kind of martyrdom. But nobody would have ever heard that, being Musa, someone contracted the plague. Only a person who is extremely wicked, filthy, and depraved could dare hold the belief that a prophet or wise jurant of God ever died of the plague. Therefore, if this kind of death by the plague had been a laudable type of martyrdom, upon which there could be no kind of criticisms, then the prophets and messengers of God would have been the first to merit it. But as I have just stated, no one can prove that any prophet or messenger or a holy person of the highest order who held the distinction of converse and discourse with God ever suffered from this evil disease since the inception of the world and then died of it. On the contrary, the primary targets of this disease have from the very beginning been those who were disbelievers and faithless. Reason do not at all permit that Allah's prophets, messengers, and recipients of his revelation should similarly suffer from the disease which God has prescribed to punish the disbelievers since the earliest of times. The Torah, the Gospel, and the Holy Quran, all three unanimously declare that the plague has always been sent down to punish the disbelievers. Moreover, as is borne out by the revealed scriptures and history, God has caused hundreds of thousands of disbelievers, transgressors, and wicked people to perish through this very plague from the very beginning. God is far above and beyond allowing his elect to become victim of this chastisement together with the disbelievers and allow his exalted prophets to suffer the chastisement from which thousands of evildoers have always been dying during the time of the prophets. Hence, no prophet ever died of the chastisement that overtook the people of Lud, Lot. And indeed, no prophet has ever died of the chastisement which overtakes his people. Similarly, the plague, which is a punishment specifically meant for the disbelievers, cannot touch any chosen one of God. If anyone makes a claim contrary to this and says that a prophet among the past prophets did die of the plague, he is free to think so. I cannot muzzle a shameless or insolent person, but this is indeed what is proven from the book of Allah, that the plague is chastisement, and it always descends upon the disbelievers. However, it is true that just as hell is specifically reserved for disbelievers, and though some sinful believers too will be cast into hell, 
This will only be to examine, cleanse, and purify them, but in accordance with the promise of God. In Surah Al-Anbiya, chapter 21, verse 102 of the Holy Quran, meaning that the exalted ones will be kept away from hell. The plague too is a kind of hell and the disbelievers are cast into it for the purpose of chastisement and such believers who cannot be said to be innocent and are not entirely free from sin, for them this plague is a means of purification and it is this plague which God has called hell. As such the plague may possibly be prescribed for believers of an inferior quality who stand in need of purification but those people who occupy exalted stations of love for and closeness to God shall never enter into this hell. Therefore, it is not strange that the person who presents his own revelation that the sum and substance of it all is that after God you are the greatest. A revelation of which Munshi Abdul Haq is among several others also a witness. How can it be that such a person who claims to be the greatest in stature after God and who claims to be the Musa of the age, should die of the plague that symbolizes the wrath of God? Can any wise person accept such a thing? And if someone should assert that Babu Lahibaksh did not die of the plague, then what could possibly be my reply besides saying, The curse of Allah be upon the liars? Letters received from Lahore revealed that Ilahi Baksh had gone to attend the funeral of Yaqub, son of Muhammad Ishaq. This Yaqub had died of the plague. It was there that Elahi Baksh contracted the plague. The newspaper Besa Akhbar, dated April 10th, contains the following report. A tragic death. We regret to announce that Mauli Elahi Baksh, accountant, pensioner, died on Monday, April 8th, at Malvi Abdul Haq's house after suffering from fever for only a day. Footnote start. The date is wrongly reported in the newspaper. In fact, this incident happened on the 7th of April at 6 p.m. Footnote end. Now a sensible person can understand how severe the spread of the plague was in Lahore during those days, as is still the case. So far, thousands of people have died only due to this particular kind of fever. And what kind of fever is there apart from the plague that can do away with a man in only one day? Bear in mind that plague is inseparably accompanied by a high fever which proves fatal within one or two days. Given that the plague was raging in Lahore when Elahi Baksh died and he had gone to participate in the funeral rites of another victim of the plague and had fainted there, was some evil spirit supposed to be responsible for his collapse? Obviously those are the days when the plague was spreading, particularly in Lahore where it was raging. Who can dare deny that in these days hundreds have died in Lahore alone on account of the fever caused by the plague? Even now the situation continues to be the same. Some suffer a swelling of the glands and some do not. Some die of pneumonic plague and some suddenly die comatose. As such, it would be highly brash to heap lies on poor Elahi Baksh without any rhyme or reason that he did not die of the plague. Did Yaqub die of plague or not? I have learned from reliable medical doctors that Elahi Baksh had contracted a most severe form of plague, which finished him in a single day. I reproduce here in a letter by Dr. Mirza Yaqub Bag, assistant surgeon, as evidence. Letter of Mr. Yaqub Bag, assistant surgeon. My master, leader, imam, proof of Allah and the promised Messiah. May Allah's peace be upon you. May peace, mercy, and blessings of Allah be upon you. 
Allah be praised that your prophecy has been fulfilled and the enemy died. Congratulations to Huzur. Elahi Baksh developed all the typical symptoms of the plague and we have learned from reliable means that a swollen gland had developed upon his left thigh in the groin. Therefore, there is no doubt that he died of the plague. All the rest is fine. Humble one, Yaqub Beg from Lahore. Then, if it is asked which of Elahi Baksh's friends published the news that he died of the plague, I reproduce below the testimony concerning the plague of Elahi Baksh from the newspaper Ahli Hadith, dated April 11, 1907, which is as follows. We regret to report that Mali Lahi Baksh of Lahore, the author of Asai Musa, also became a martyr to the plague. See paper Ahli Hadith, dated April 11, 1907. Then Elahi Baksh quotes another revelation of his concerning me on page 79 of his book Asai Musa, which is as follows. Although the expression is tainted with a grammatical error in that the preposition lam has been applied to the word man. Elahi Baksh has translated it to mean as if I would be humiliated in opposition to him and his truthfulness would be manifested. The fact of the matter is that long ago God Almighty had revealed to me that I shall humiliate him who designs to humiliate you. Elahi Baksh had personally heard me pronounce this revelation a number of times and God had manifested what the end was of every single person who came into opposition with me. Thus, in this revelation, there is only the Lam from Elahi Baksh, which usually comes to indicate for, but here it is out of place and opposed to his purpose. However, as stated, the revelation would mean that, oh, Elahi Baksh, I shall humiliate you in support of the one who seeks your humiliation. And if we were to assume, as is indeed Elahi Baksh's intent, that by humiliating him, God means he will humiliate me, then this meaning has evidently been proven false. The reason is that for the last so many years, I have been publicly announcing that Elahi Baksh is false in presenting himself as Musa and in rejecting me, and that God will disgrace him. It has been quite some time since I published this revelation of mine. Given this state of affairs, it is quite clear that God disgraced Elahi Baksh in my presence by causing him to die of the plague, and he was unsuccessful in all his designs, whereas God honored me by making hundreds of thousands of people join into my jamaat. Thus, if Elahi Baksh did in fact receive this revelation from God, that God would humiliate the one who sought to humiliate him, it was but necessary for that revelation to be fulfilled. However, the untimely death of Elahi Baksh in my own lifetime set a seal upon him being a liar. He claimed that this person is Pharaoh and I am Musa, that I would die in his lifetime, that I would die of the plague, that all my jamaat would be destroyed, that the wrath of God would descend upon me, and that nothing would be left of me. By contrast, God bestowed perfect progress and full honor upon me, and granted me renown in all parts of the world and caused this vain, ill-mannered, short-tempered, and loud-mouthed enemy to die of the plague in my own lifetime, would you still call him Musa? What kind of Musa was he that the one whom he used to designate as Pharaoh, and whose death he said would take place in his own lifetime, turned out to be the very one in whose lifetime he himself died an ignominious death by the plague? It is strange indeed that the one who he used to name Pharaoh had announced his revelation. Meaning that, 
God says, Surely I shall save all those from the plague who dwell within the four walls of this house. As a result, by the grace of God, not even a dog has died within the four walls of my house from the plague. Despite the virulent attacks of plague rampant in these parts for the last 11 years. On the contrary, the one who was wont to pronounce himself Musa died of the plague. Not only this, but all his revelations that he had published forecasting my death by plague and my discomfiture proved to be false and became the cause of his own humiliation. So where is his wanted revelation? Such is the end of those who consider the prompting of their ego to be revelations and do not assess the validity of their so-called revelations by the criterion of the testimony of the works of God. Remember that unless and until such extraordinary signs of God pour down in support of revelations as far exceed the common experience, considering one's revelations to be the word of God is tantamount to adopting the path to hell and purchasing a disgraceful death. For a revelation is no more than a statement in which Satan too may have a share. Also, a person is quite capable of fabricating such a statement. It could also be a prompting of the self. Therefore, it would be the height of folly and ignorance on the part of a person to consider such words to be the words of God, simply because they happen to issue forth from one's tongue. On the contrary, the word of God must necessarily be accompanied by the work of God by way of testimony, and indeed a very powerful testimony, because claiming that God speaks to a person is no ordinary claim. If such a claimant is not from God, he can cause an entire world to be doomed to perdition. Therefore, in support of such a person's verbal claim, a practical testimony of God Almighty is required in the manner that God has been providing since the most distant ages in support of the true messengers and prophets. But such minor and insignificant happenings as are part of an ordinary person's life cannot be called the testimony of the works of God. For instance, a person may well see in a dream that in his or someone else's house a baby boy will be born, and it so happens that a baby boy is in fact born. Or he has the dream that a certain person would die who does in fact happen to die, or sees in a dream that a certain person would be frustrated in a particular enterprise, and this does in fact happen. Such dreams are universal. Even disbelievers and polytheists are not without their share of such dreams. Thus, if a person sees an ordinary dream, and this dream or revelation is not marked in quality and quantity by any singular characteristic of its own, one cannot logically assert that such a person is from God, as has already been pointed out. Such dreams can also be seen by evil and wicked people. Therefore, one should not become arrogant upon experiencing such dreams and revelations. Rather, this should be considered as a trial. For a true divinely appointed person, it is necessary that such experiences as can be legitimately designated as signs of God should in quantity and quality attain a level which is beyond the competence of any ordinary person. In the case of such a person, the hand of God Almighty should be manifestly seen to be at work, and divine signs should be felt to be pouring down like rain, providing him extraordinary support, from which it would become clear that he is the recipient of God's special succor, 
in all his endeavors. In short, this is indeed the greatest indication of such a person, that heavenly signs, help, and succor should attain such consummation, both in quality and quantity, as none in the world can equal, even if it is a single solitary sign, but it is so overwhelmingly outstanding and majestic, that upon seeing it, all the enemies seem to be like corpses and fail to produce its equal. Or the number of such signs should be so large that it is beyond anyone's power to display such profusion in their own or of any other impostor's sign. This is what constitutes the testimony of God as Allah the Glorious says to the Holy Prophet wasallam in the Holy Quran in Surah Rad, chapter 13 verse 44 of the Holy Quran, meaning that, And those who say, You are not a messenger of God, say, Sufficient is Allah as a witness between me and you, and so is he who possesses knowledge of the book. Next, for the attention and just consideration of the readers, I produce below the remaining revelations of Ilahi Baksh pertaining to me, which are recorded in his book Asai Musa. On page 79 of his book, he mentions this revelation of his about me. He will be destroyed, consider the voice of people to be the voice of God. In other words, my destruction will happen exactly as thousands of my enemies wish for my destruction. Again on page 80 of the above-mentioned book, he says, He declares this also to be about me, and its meaning is, O God, arbitrate between us and our people with truth. So, Allah be praised that the required verdict was delivered on April 7, 1907, after hurling thousands of abuses at me, pronouncing me a liar, mischief monger, the antichrist, an impostor, and promising that I would be the object of God's wrath and of the plague. Mielahi Baksh himself left this transient world on the above-mentioned date in the span of a single day. So take a lesson, O ye who have eyes. Look how I, who was condemned as the Pharaoh, triumphed in the end while the so-called Musa was so overwhelmed by the plague that it did not relent without taking his life. Then again, on page 80 of the same book, Babu Ilahi Baksh threatens me with the plague in his revelation, which is as follows, meaning that the plague will come down from heaven and he along with his Jamaat shall fall victim to it and God will send down death and destruction upon the unjust. These are Ilahi Baksh's vaunted revelations, with which he used to regale his small number of friends, but now his friends, particularly Munshi Abdul Haq, can testify in fear of God as to who ultimately became the victim upon whom the plague descended. Then there is one more revelation of his relating to the wrath of God descending upon me, which is recorded on page 83 of his book as follows. Translation, we shall put the brand of fire on the nose or mouth of this impostor, meaning that we shall kill him with the plague, or that we shall cast him into the fire of hell. O Elahi Baksh, this arrow that you shot was not shot by you, but was shot by God. Then the following revelation is recorded on page 9, line 13. Translation, God Almighty will lengthen your life and by allowing you to live long in this world, he will thereby greatly benefit the Muslims. But after Babu Ilahi Baksh survived for only six years, revelation forecasting a long life indeed, followed by the statement, 
I shall certainly not die unless and until I fully carry out this task assigned to me. A perusal of Babu Elahi Baksh's book Asai Musa will show that he died six years after the publication of that book. Now all fair-minded people can assess for themselves whether the promise of long life and lasting survival was fulfilled when he died from the plague in just six years without ever witnessing any success, and that too within my lifetime and in great frustration. At this point in time, I simply ask for the opinion of his friends, most respectfully submitting. Is it true that in accordance with his revelation, he had claimed that he would not die unless and until the duties that he had been allotted were fully carried out? Have those duties that were assigned to him been accomplished? Furthermore, were his efforts and his slanders that he hurled upon me throughout his book Asai Musa able to harm so much as a single hair upon my body? And readers, please permit me to ask, is it not a fact that Babu Lahibaksh's revelation about branding someone on the nose recoiled upon him? Is it not a fact that the providence of God cast the fiery stigma of the plague on his face, which completely wiped him out, the result of being that the arrow which he aimed at me in accordance with his revelation ultimately recoiled upon his own person? Footnote start, if someone should entertain the doubt as to how it can be known that all these revelations which Babu Lahi Baksh had written in Asai Musa pertain to me, let it be clear that Babu Lahi Baksh has compiled this book specifically to amount an offensive attack against me. There was no reason for compiling this book other than to malign and insult me. Indeed, Babu Sahib was wont to secretly circulate revelations of this kind about me among his friends, the essence of which was that I was a liar, a disbeliever, and a pharaoh, while he himself was Musa, and that I would very soon be targeted by the chastisement of God through him in accordance with his revelations. Here it is also worth remembering, as the entries on page 2, 4, 6, 7, 8, and 9 of the book Asai Musa show that I did indeed have correspondence with Babu Lahi Baksh, about his hostile revelations. In the letter which is recorded on page 2 of his book Asai Musa, I had requested Babu Saib, The way you announce your revelations rejecting me and merely verbally to regale your friends through their recitation, publish them all under oath so that if these, your revelations, are fabricated and false, then God Almighty may mete out the punishment for the lie. His reply to this letter is that which is recorded on page 4 of his book. Its essence is that there was no need of any oath taking, and if he had attributed to God anything false, he would punish him even without any oath. However, he promised to publish his revelations. In reply to this letter, a statement is recorded on my behalf on page 7 of his book. I seek the solution of this problem only from God so that God himself may judge between those who reject me and those who believe that I am the promised Messiah. Footnote end.